Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Practice Areas 101, presented by the Texas Young Lawyers Association, where we explore legal practice areas and hear from young lawyers across Texas who actually practice them. Today, we will discuss maritime law. So drop your anchors and let's get started. I'm your host, Nick Gwynn, and I'm an IP attorney in San Antonio, Texas, with the firm Gunley and Cave PC. I have the honor of interviewing our guests, Cara Miller and Michael Prejean. Cara Miller is an attorney with Welder Leshen in Corpus Christi, Texas. She also serves as president of the Corpus Christi Young Lawyers Association. Michael Prejean practices with Gilman and Allison in Parallel, Texas. He holds a United States Coast Guard Merchant Marine Officer's License. Welcome, y'all. Hey, thank you, Nick. Hey, Nick. Well, we've got some uh, good questions in store. These have come in from the, the folks at home. You know, they're dying to hear from you and dying to learn about uh, your practice area, specifically maritime law. Kara, uh, tell us about your journey that got you to your firm. Tell, also include where you went to law school and if maritime law was the plan all along. Sure. So I sort of um, fell into the maritime field. Um, Michael's going to laugh, but my my path was sort of typical for my undergraduate university. I went to Texas A&M at Galveston, which is a campus of Texas A&M College Station. So we get our degrees from College Station. We get the Aggie rings, all of that. But what's different about the Galveston campus is that all of the majors there are related to the ocean. So I initially went there for a degree in marine biology, but I soon discovered that that was not what I wanted to do. But I had learned about the maritime industry from my friends who were there and some of the maritime majors. And I thought it was really cool. You know, even though I grew up on the coast in a coastal town, I didn't really know anything about the maritime industry before I went to A&M. So I changed my major to maritime administration. And when I graduated, I then went to Tulane Law School, which has a program in maritime law. So Cara, it sounds like you were perfectly prepared for your, your practice area with all of your undergraduate study. Are there, are there requirements uh, or pre, uh, prereqs, so to speak, to practice maritime law? No, there's not really prereqs. I mean, it's just like any other practice area. I think whatever experience and whatever knowledge you bring beforehand, before you come into law school or before you go into practice, I think is really helpful. But that being said, I know a lot of maritime lawyers who didn't know anything about the maritime industry before they started practicing maritime law. So it's it's really sort of a mix. And um, no matter what you know at the beginning, there's always always lots to learn as you go along and you, you pick up a lot um, in this area of practice. Okay. Well, Michael, same questions to you. How did you get to where you are today? Pretty much from, uh, from the beginning, my, my professional goal was to go to sea. Uh, so, so like Cara, I also went to uh, Texas A&M at Galveston and uh, got my undergraduate degree in marine transportation. From there, I spent about 11 years working on ships, mainly, uh, mainly tankers, but a couple other types of vessels as well. Then in 2010, I had a, uh, my wife and I had our first kid and that sort of changed the game for me. So I, I, I've been looking at other options for, uh, for shore side careers for me and, and the legal profession seemed to be the best fit in, in my opinion. So around 2011, I started school at uh, South Texas here in Houston and graduated in 14, got my license then and went to work immediately for a, a plaintiff's firm here in town that a, a high school buddy of mine 
started up. Stayed with him for about a little short of a year. And uh, then two, two friends of mine from the Maritime Academy, Anum Galveston, who also had a firm uh, working here in Houston, Gilman and Allison, gave me a call. And I mean, that was, that was sort of a dream job, working for a couple of friends and doing maritime law. So, so I jumped ship right away. With, with my background, maritime law was always the focus and the plan. I just wasn't quite sure how to get there, but you know, the stars aligned and here I am. Michael, uh, have there been any surprises or realizations along the way that now shape your career? Yeah, there's been a few. I, I mean, I'd been in the industry for a while in different capacities and seen, uh, at least I thought I'd seen the, the different ways that the, the legal field interacted with the maritime industry. But man, once, once I started practicing, I, I was shocked to, uh, to learn of, of all the different areas of law that are kind of captured under the, under the umbrella of maritime law. You know, you've got your, uh, your maritime, maritime contracts, your, your torts various workers' compensation schemes. You end up dealing with conflicts of law and international law. And really the only thing, uh, only discrete area of law that I haven't come across uh, working in the maritime field would probably be family law or something like that. But I'm, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah, that's that, that was the biggest shock to me. Uh, um, but there, there's also another realization that I hadn't quite taken into account, at least coming from my background. And that was really the importance of uh, developing relationships with people and maintaining relationships with people, particularly at the firm I'm at now, we really don't do any sort of advertising beyond you know, just having a website and doing a good job for our clients. Kind of keeping up with, with the industry and our friends that, uh, that remain in the industry has really been a, a big part of it. And I, that was unexpected to me, probably not to most people that start in the you know, legal profession, but that blindsided me a little bit. I didn't realize that was so important. Cara, M- Michael mentioned something. I'm going to go off script a little bit here. He mentioned that there are several areas of practice within maritime law and there's a bit of a diversity to it. Do you find that you practice in, in a, one particular area or several? Yeah. So my practice areas are really broad. Kind of a, an easier way to think of it is that Anything that can go wrong on land can also go wrong on the water, but it's a whole different set of laws that apply when something happens on water. So I think just like Michael said, you know, I think family law is pretty much the only um, area of law that's not really touched by the maritime world. And so, you know, I deal with all sorts of things, collisions, pollution, personal injury and wrongful death defense, uh, regulatory issues, cargo claims. Um, it really just runs the gamut. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty intense. Uh, Michael, how about yourself? What areas uh, do you practice? It's, it's fairly similar. We kind of focus on, uh, on, uh, injuries that occur on ships representing, uh, either seamen or longshoremen that are working on the docks. But we also get involved in, in cargo claims. Uh, for instance, if there's a, you know, a ship has a lien on it or, or cargo has a lien on it, we, we, we handle a few of those types of cases. Actually, w- one of the most exciting parts for me uh, would be arresting ships which, which we do on, on you know, this semi-regular basis. That's, that would probably be the, the, the part of the practice that, that I enjoy most. And I don't know if, uh, if CARS work you know, encompasses that, but since we're kind of plaintiff oriented over here, we, we get, to, get to play with that a bit. What does your typical day look like? For me, I don't, I don't know if I really have a typical day. If, if I'm doing percentages of what my work entails, it's probably mostly uh, uh, 
research and writing, I tend to prefer uh, motion practice. So a lot of what I do is, you know, dealing with discovery and, and research on the, the facts specific to whatever case I'm dealing with. So that's that's probably where most of my time is spent. You know, pre-COVID, I was probably in court only, I don't know, three or four times a month on average. So that's, that's never really been a huge part of, uh, of my practice. And it's even less now, Zoom meetings aside. So that's that, that's really what it is. It's, it's sitting at my desk and, and researching the facts of the case and, you know, dealing with discovery issues. Uh, what court or courts have jurisdiction over your cases? Well, that's... Uh, which ones don't, you know, we have, we deal with maritime cases in state court a lot. Probably the majority that we deal with are going to be in federal court. Uh, Southern district of Texas is, is where most of our cases land. Cara, what is your, uh, what does your typical day look like? So I'd say mine is really similar to what Michael just said. There are some days I represent some of the, the ships that come in. And so when there's a problem, their insurer will call my firm and tell us, Hey, something has happened. And most of the time, it's just something minor where they just need us to help coordinate um, a surveyor to go out or something like that. But for the more serious incidents that happen, I'll actually go out and board the vessels. So that's not a typical day, but it's, it's not all that unusual either in my practice. I'll go out and trade in my stilettos for steel-toed boots and board the vessel and do an investigation and if there's any uh, government officials on board, like the Coast Guard or the Texas General Land Office, depending on what has happened, um, then I'll go and make sure that they're getting everything that they need. And the ship is also being protected from, from any sort of being there without an attorney. But other than that, you know, my, my days are a lot like Michael's. I, um, I talk with clients over the phone. I research and I draft. I go to court and there's something else that's a little bit different about the maritime world is that it is very global in nature. And so sometimes, you know, my client will say, Hey, you know, can you, can you do a call with me or zoom or teams meeting at three o'clock today? And I say, well, sure. You know, but three o'clock today for them is 10 o'clock at night for me, or it might be three o'clock in the morning or whatever. So I know in the middle of the night, when I get a call from some random number, that's, out from outside the United States, that's a client calling and I better answer it. <laughs> that's funny. I have uh, two, two related follow-up questions. Uh, one, how often do you take uh, depositions on the vessels? And two, as a maritime law lawyer, do you have to, um, do you have to have a good uh, sense of sea? Do you have to have good sea legs or avoid motion sickness? I have never taken a deposition on a vessel. Typically, we will take depositions later on, sort of after a lawsuit has been filed or after the fact. I know that it does happen, but it's sort of a pain because, you know, you have to get a, a court reporter out there who has to carry all of their equipment up the gangway and all that sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's usually easier to take the depositions later, typically in the deponent's home country. Sometimes that's here, sometimes it's somewhere, you know, on the other side of the world. And the other advantage to that is that at that stage, you know more about the case. And so your deposition is going to be much more effective because you're, you have a much better grasp on the facts and the issues at law and um, all of that sort of thing. In regard to your sea legs question, usually when I board the vessels, they're in port. 
So they're not moving, you know, I mean, maybe a little bit of wave action or something, but you don't really feel it because these are, these are very large vessels, but every once in a while, something happens when the vessel's offshore and they can't come in. So you have to take a launch boat out and climb up the pilot ladder, which is like, it's like a rope ladder on the side of the ship. And you climb up the rope ladder. And even then seasickness is not an issue once you're on the ship. But if you're on the launch boat and it's a really windy day, there's bad weather. I, I've seen just about everybody get pretty green around the gills in, in that sort of scenario. It's pretty unavoidable. My uh, wife and I, we became certified divers about a year ago. And I will say that some of the most interesting things I've ever had to do have been boarding and disboarding boats. I can imagine having to, to climb the rope ladder up for your for a meeting or, or whatever it may be would be uh, quite an experience. Uh, now I want to ask you, the two of you, about your some interesting experiences you've had in your practice. Michael, what's, what's probably the most interesting thing that's happened to you, a story per, perhaps? I mean, I, I don't know how interesting it would be for, for most people, but through law school, and a little bit before law school, I was uh, working in, in various uh, ports along the Texas coast doing uh, basically it's inspection work and, and uh, uh, cargo type work. Uh, you know, when tankers would come in, I would inspect them and, you know, advise them uh, as to local rules and, and protocols for, for their discharge of cargo or loading the cargo. Uh, while doing that, I, I made friends with a guy down in, in the port of Corpus. You know, that, that friendship carried on kind of at a distance for a while. But then just a, a couple years ago, uh, the, the gentleman tragically died while he was boarding a ship. And his family hired our firm to, to represent them in, in their case against the vessel. I don't know, just, just having the opportunity to, uh, you know, put put my, one, my degree to practice, but also my, my uh, industry experience on ships to kind of help push the case forward and, and help out, you know, a deceased friend's family really made an impact on me and uh, made me realize, you know, what, as lawyers, we, we have the opportunity to uh, really affect people's lives and, and hopefully for the better. And uh, I just kind of carry that around with me, you know, since that case. And uh, it, it, it was it was an honor and a privilege to get to represent a friend's family in, in such a devastating time in their lives. So that that's that's really the the outstanding moment in my so far short career as an attorney. I appreciate you sharing that story, and I, I know our listeners do as well. Cara, same question to you. What's been an interesting experience for you? You know, every case is very different in this practice. So, and I'm such a nerd about maritime law. I think everything's really interesting. I just really enjoy it. But something interesting that I've discovered within this practice, and I think really as a young lawyer, is the connections that you have with other people in this area of practice. Um, and that's particularly true within the state of Texas. And it's really true nationally and to some degree internationally as well. That case that uh, Michael just spoke of, my firm was on the other side. Right now, Michael and I have a case together where we're not on opposing sides, but we're representing separate clients kind of on the same side. So that's a situation that as a maritime lawyer, you find yourself in a lot. There's not a whole lot of us maritime lawyers here in Texas. There's not a lot of us in the world. And so that's something that I think is really interesting and something that I really like about the practice of maritime law. You, you see your colleagues again and again, uh, which I think is really unique. Yeah, if, if I could be, I imagine that. I'm sorry, Nick, I, I was going to piggyback on that a little bit because that, that's something that kind of stands out in, in the practice of maritime law to me also is that it is such a small community of attorneys that, that actually practice in this area. 
and you see the same people again and again, you know, it kind of kind of drives home the importance of integrity in our work. I, I, I guess because we see each other, you know, in one case and in the next case, it brings a different level of uh, maybe civility or, or professionalism, at least. Uh, to the practice that that I don't see when I'm doing like car wreck cases or something like that. It's uh, it's it's very refreshing and and I enjoy it. That that makes sense to me. Most of my practice involves new sets of counsel uh, from case to case. Uh, it's rare that I have the same counsel in, in multiple cases. Although I I do have one where it's the uh, the third time going. Uh, and I find that when you've got folks that, you know, come from a different part of the United States from you and, you know, they know they're never going to see you again, or at least the, you know, it's an extremely unlikely, it, it really can be a bit of a, uh, a toss up, whether you're, you'll get lucky and have someone that's, you know, uh, not necessarily easy to work with, you know, they're, they're there to zealously advocate for their client, but someone who's professional and civil on the other hand, you have someone who you know goes out of their way to make your life miserable. So I, I think that would be a nice perk of of the practice because it, it seems as it would encourage uh, civility and, and professionalism. Uh, what are, what's some advice, Cara, that you have for law students or young lawyers who want to practice maritime law? Well, I think for for people who already have connections within the industry, it's a little bit easier. But for people who don't, um, go out and make those connections, you know, and that it really sort of dovetails well in what we were just discussing that maritime lawyers are also really open to to networking with with anybody. So law students, undergraduate students, young lawyers, um, I, I can't think of a single maritime lawyer I know who would refuse to speak with somebody who was interested in practicing maritime law. The industry as a whole, in terms of, you know, the lawyers is, uh, it's, it's very open and I think welcoming of newcomers and, and people are, you know, people love this stuff. People love to talk about it with people who have questions. So I think that would be my advice to, to people looking to go into this area of practice is just Google maritime attorneys near you and then call them up say, Hey, you know, can I come shadow you for a day? Or would you be willing to um, have lunch with me or a zoom call where I can just kind of pick your brain about questions that I have about this area of practice and how to get into it. The other thing that I would say is, you know, on your resume, show that you're interested in maritime law, even if you don't have any maritime law classes under your belt or maritime experience, you know, put something on there that sort of makes you stand out um, to show that you're really interested in the field. That's some excellent advice. Michael, what do you, uh, what would you like to share? Yeah, I'd really have to echo Cara. Um, finding a mentor uh, of some nature is, is really essential in my opinion. You know, you, you could do that. For me, when I was in law school, I, I did clerkships with with a couple of firms. One of them the, is being the firm I'm at now. But I just, I can't imagine having graduated from law school and jumped right in by myself into the maritime field. Maybe Cara, since she has the background with Tulane and their their specific maritime program, she she might have uh, well, she certainly probably would have succeeded better than I. But <laughs> you know, I, I imagine that the learning curve would have devastated me if I if I just tried to do it on my own. So finding a, either finding a firm to work for 
right out of school that, that does maritime law or at least finding a mentor that can walk you through it. There's, there's lots of pitfalls and traps along the way, and, and you really need some guidance to be effective. And I completely agree with, with you, Michael, there. Um, this is not an area of practice where you can, you can sort of hang up your own shingle and just start practicing it and learning as you go. I mean, this is some of the doctrines that are in place today stem from 3,000 years ago. So, I mean, that's just a massive undertaking to try to learn it and try and see how it all applies today and how it's all intermeshed. Um, it's mentorship is really essential in this field. It sounds like it departs uh, significantly from first year torts contracts and uh, you know the other kind of doctrinal courses. Well, what, uh, Carl, what is your favorite thing about the practice or about your practice? Um, I have to say my favorite thing is getting to meet people from all over the world. You know, it's so interesting. And most of the time I stay right here in Texas, in Corpus Christi, where I live, and these people from all over the planet come to me, you know, there was a ship I was on recently where I ate lunch. And it was uh, the the cook on the ship was Russian, and he made the best mashed potatoes I've ever had. And he made this borscht, which is a like a cold um, beet soup for like hot weather. So I had my my list of documents, you know, that I give to the master that I say, Oh, I need these documents, I need copies to take back with me. And I, and I asked for the chef's recipes too, because <laughs> they were so good. But when you're on these ships conducting investigations, there's surprisingly a lot of downtime. Um, and downtime is, you know, when you're waiting for the surveyor to finish taking his pictures, or when you're waiting for the Coast Guard to show up, or when you're waiting for all the documents to be copied. Um, and during that downtime, you really sort of get to know people a little bit. You know, I've learned a lot about global politics and religions I've never heard of before and traditions and all sorts of things. So I would have to say that's my favorite part of the practice, even though it's not one that that would immediately jump out, you know, it's not, uh, oh, personal injury or, or, you know, whatever. But it's, it's something that that just keeps you going, you know, when you're doing this every day. And it's really a lot of fun. Now I want to practice maritime law. <laughs> um, Michael, how about you? What's your favorite thing? It, it's funny. Car uh, is talking about the downtime on on ships. I, I actually, while we were waiting around, I don't recall what I was waiting around for, but uh, it was an Indian ship, and the uh, uh, the cricket World Cup was going on. And I've never watched a cricket match in my life, but man, they were into it, and it was crazy. <laughs> so for me. You know, in my in my prior career, people, if they weren't happy to see me, they at least acted happy to see me when I walked on ships. But, you know, now, nowadays, nobody's happy to see the lawyers walk up on a gangway. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about the practice is, is really getting to, to keep at least one foot in the water, you know, to stay in touch with the, the maritime industry, which which I, I really, truly enjoy getting to uh, to stay on top of the evolution in, in shipping and the issues that various crews are facing from around the world and, and really getting to geek out on, on shipping stuff, which is one of my favorite pastimes. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the only area of law where I think I could be truly happy. And, and I really am. It's, it's a lot of fun getting to, uh, you know, to stay involved with, with maritime stuff. You know, one of the first patent applications, and actually it was, it was a few that I ever worked on, were a series of patents related to throttles uh, for a boat. Yeah, I guess you could say I'm a, a maritime patent lawyer. Uh, you, you, can, you can hold back on the laughter. Um, <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> okay. So uh, to kind of wrap things up, if you could change one thing about the practice, what would it be? Michael, uh, 
about the practice or my practice. I, I can't think of anything to change about the practice of maritime law. It's uh, it's exciting. It's it's always new. There's there's really no limit. You know the breadth of knowledge that you can gain about the the subject or to uh, you know the intricacies that you can delve into if you want to focus on just a very specific part. There's there's just it's endless possibilities in maritime law. For my particular practice, I, I would, uh, as I'm sure anybody that, that works in this area of law would agree, I, I would like to focus solely on maritime law. You know, I, I do a lot of other types of cases and, and they're interesting and fun and I enjoy it, but I just haven't yet been able to, uh, uh, to single my practice down to that one area. But that's a goal. I found in my practice that the the areas or the things that I enjoy doing the most are the things that keep coming back to me. And I, I suspect, uh, I think Cara used the term nerd for maritime law. I, find, I think the things that I nerd out about, they show to my clients. And those are the clients like we want to send him more work or, you know, uh, give more referrals. Carl, how about you? What what could you, what would you like to change about maritime law either generally or, or in your practice? Well, you know, I would have to echo a lot of what Michael said. Um, I think in general, there's nothing I would really change. It's a well-oiled machine, you know, and those of us who practice it really enjoy it. And um, in terms of my practice, you know, you mentioned, I said earlier that I'm a nerd about this and it's completely true. I would love to take on some more cargo cases. That's really my favorite area um, because the statute that applies to cargo cases is really complex and involves shifting burdens of proof. And it's really fun to litigate those. So for our listeners out there, if you've got cargo cases, send them Cara's way. Um, <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> Cara and Michael, thank you so much for taking time and for, uh, to visit with us, visit with me today and participate in this podcast. I wish we had more time. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, but unfortunately we need to, uh, to get back to, to family and, and work. Uh, So I'll go ahead and close this out. Thanks for listening. We will provide information on our panelists in the show notes. Please follow the Texas Young Lawyers Association on Instagram and Facebook at Tex Young Lawyers. Like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. For more information on the Texas Young Lawyers Association or how to suggest or apply to be on the podcast, check out the website at tyla.org. See y'all next time.